Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Christine Gershom share a word on lessons from the wilderness. She looks at the wilderness that the Israelites wandered through for 40 years and the wilderness that every believer in Jesus walks through at some point of their life through the lens of what God sees. We pray that as you listen to the word it will help you navigate your wilderness with grace and a deeper revelation of what God wants to do in you. Hi church it's my joy to bring God's word to you today. Um I've titled today's word lessons from the wilderness. Now why I've titled it this is because each of us in our lives either we are in the middle of a wilderness or we are entering one or we are leaving one. So all of us followers of Jesus um at some point of our life we're going to encounter a wilderness and this wilderness is not something fancy sounding like you know a wilderness camp or wilderness trails or you know um going on a you know camp trip it it isn't like that it it's not as fancy as all of that because a wilderness um more than a place it's actually a season and all of us all our lives at some point will involve a wilderness and today the word that i'm going to be speaking is very personal to me and um, our family because we have walked through this couple of times over the past years um sometimes it's just been maybe a month long sometimes it's been a year long and i know that throughout our lives there are going to be seasons of the wilderness and i really believe that a wilderness is a very powerful season it might feel like a dry season it might feel like nothing's happening but it's a very powerful season and i'll explain why but we are um scripture for today is from the book of deuteronomy and we're going to camp out here for a bit deuteronomy chapter 1 so if you can open it i'm just going to be reading snippets from deuteronomy 1 to give you an overall idea of what this wilderness actually symbolized to the israelites okay so deuteronomy 1 we're going to read verses 1 to 3 we're going to read 19 to 21 we're going to read 26 to 27 and then 32 to 35 So reading from Deuteronomy 1 I'm reading from the New Living Translation These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf between Paran on one side and Tophel Laban Hazeroth and Dis-Sahab on the other Normally it only takes 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea going by way of Mount Seir But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt on the first day of the 11th month Moses addressed the people of Israel telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say Then just as the Lord our God commanded us we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness as you yourselves remember and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea I said to you you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord your God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord the God of your ancestors has promised you. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said the Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Even after all he did you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day 
when the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. Now, this is actually, I've just picked, you know, bits and pieces from Deuteronomy 1. But the whole book of Deuteronomy 1 is like a flashback. Moses is narrating all that happened. And here he's talking about how God took them on this trip through the wilderness because they were heading towards the promised land, the land that was promised to be flowing with milk and honey. And when they came to the border of that land, God gives them a word. He says, you know what, you're ready, go take up the land. But unfortunately, they're complaining, their lack of faith, their questioning God, all of that made God turn them around and said, go back into the wilderness. This entire generation needs to die. Once they die, the next generation I will bring in. And it seemed like a harsh punishment at the time. But God wanted to do something in those people's lives. And, you know, at the beginning of the story, even before, um, you know, they came, when they were coming to the Red Sea, God takes them through a short detour through the wilderness. And, and it's very interesting. God gives an explanation. You read that in the book of Exodus. He says that he took them by way of the wilderness so that they will not encounter war and their hearts faint. He was protecting their hearts. He was protecting their morale. So he actually took them through a short detour so they don't encounter any other nation and fight with them so quickly when they were out of Egypt. And then he brings them to the, the brink of the promised land and says, go in and take it. But because of their rebellion, they are forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so what I want to bring before you is that the wilderness is not necessarily a place, but it's a season. It is not a detour. It will feel like a detour to us. We feel like, you know, this is my route. This is where I'm headed towards what I want. But this place that I'm stuck in right now, going around in circles, feels like a detour. But I would beg to differ because I believe it's an intentional part of the journey that God Taylor makes for each one of us. My wilderness will look different from your wilderness. But the emotions we're feeling will be weirdly similar. And when you look at Jesus himself in the New Testament, we find how the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days when he was there tempted by the enemy. And so it look, doesn't seem like the enemy leads us into the wilderness. A lot of times when we were faced by a wilderness, we think this is the enemy's job. It was the enemy's work. But actually speaking, it's, it's very, very uh, tailor-made by God for us. There is something that he wants to do in us and with us when he leads us through the wilderness. And so if you're wondering, is the wilderness a time of suffering? Is it a time of pain? Well, maybe not always. It might not be a time of overt suffering or, or a terrible pain, but it will look like the following. Okay, there are a couple of symptoms of that. You're probably in a wilderness season. You may be wandering listlessly in front of closed doors. Have you been having repeated closed door experiences? And you're just wandering listlessly, wondering, God, what next? Maybe you've been seated in an environment of rejection and misunderstanding. You feel like relationships have broken down. You feel like people have turned their backs on you, even though you didn't do that much to trigger them. Maybe you've been lying down in an uncomfortable bed of confusion and disillusionment. You don't know what went wrong. You just know things are wrong. Maybe you've been waiting for what seems like ages for an answer or just a sign from God. Maybe you've been feeling parched and dried up and starved of attention, care, or even companionship. 
if this is you, it's possible that you're walking through a wilderness. Maybe you can say, I remember I walked through this a year back. So you know what the wilderness feels like. And maybe you're someone who's saying, I've never experienced this. I'm good. I think I'm, you know, like an ace Christian. I would ask you to reconsider and listen to this with humility because you never know when your wilderness is coming, but it will come. And there are a few facts about the wilderness that I have been journaling about over the past many months that have been, um, they've been like, a, you know, like soothing me when I've had to walk through this dry season. The first thing is time is not of the essence. In a wilderness, you can't say, Lord, this wilderness should last for exactly one month and I'm ready to go into my season of promise. It doesn't work like that. As long as God decides you need to walk in this wilderness, he'll give you that time. It could be a year, it could be a couple of years, it could be a few days. The next thing is in the wilderness, your thoughts matter because you are oftentimes left alone, oftentimes without much to do on your hands, oftentimes more of waiting than doing your thoughts matter. So what are you thinking on? What are you fixating on? What are you micromanaging in your head? My suggestion is that you would focus on all the things that God has done so far. Maybe you can't see anything happening right now, but what if you became really historical in this time and start remembering the things God has done? Keep a gratitude journal. Note down every blessing. Note down every silver lining. The next thing is beautiful ha things happen in the wilderness. We have this huge tract of land um, near our house, which is barren. And it's overrun by thorns and weeds and, um, you know, these, these huge bushes of bramble. And it looks a sight. It looks horrid. But the beautiful thing is that in the midst of this dry environment, there are tons of wild flowers that have popped up in patches. And so when you look at it from up top, it's like a carpet of flowers. The wilderness gives you sometimes such beautiful flowers, gives you such beautiful things that you will miss if you're not looking for it. Like I said, everyone's wilderness will look different. Yours will look different from mine. But the emotions we're feeling, the struggles we're having will look weirdly similar. When you looked at that passage, there were certain things that came repetitively. The Israelites doubted their God. They had seen this God who had done so much. He was walking with them in a fire, fiery uh, presence with a cloud. He was there. He was telling them where to camp. He was telling them what to do. And yet they doubted his presence. They doubted his power. They doubted his ability. The wilderness will make you doubt who God is. It'll make you doubt who you are. It'll make you doubt the very things you believe in. It says over here, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. The people in there, you will take over. In later verses, he'll say how only Joshua and Caleb will go in. Why? Because they could see with vision that God will help them. God will fight for them. Fear is a predominant emotion in the wilderness. You, you worry and you, you get afraid. Lord, these giants are so big. The giants of closed doors. The giant of waiting is too much for me. Lord, how long? There will be also times when you're angry. You feel like beating your hands on the, at the chest of God and saying, why God, how much more time? Why me? Everything I've prayed for, nothing has happened. Anger is another emotion. Fear, doubt, anger. And it will feel like the weight is interminable. You feel like it's never ending. And that's when we find that God wants to do something in this wilderness. It's not for nothing. Someone once said that a wilderness is a season that is 
made by God for God in the sense that you come into the wilderness season bereft, anxious, worried, wondering, God, when will this end? But then in the midst of it, you find that you've never been alone, that he was with you the whole time. And then you find out that God wants to get you alone. He wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you things that you would not have otherwise heard. And so the wilderness season is going to be beautiful. I'm here to encourage you that the wilderness season is not all that it's meant to be, all that it's cut out to be. God has greater plans for the wilderness in your life. So we're going to be looking at two main things that the wilderness um, plays a role in, that God uses the wilderness to do in our lives. The first thing is that he uses it for testing. God uses the wilderness to test us. Now you may ask, why would he do that? Why would he test us? Now, if you're in, in, in school or college, you would have, you remember the days when, you know, they would give you tests or exams. The reason being, they need to make sure you're ready to go to the next level. If you're not tested, they don't know where you stand. You yourself will not know where you stand because it's funny how we can be in this, um, you know, place of complete denial of how little we know. So a test is actually to equip us and to prove that we're ready to move to the next level. And God is no different. The only difference between a school exam and here is that God does not set us up to fail. God intends for us to pass. And the wilderness is a, is a time when he tests us so that we are prepared for elevation, so that we are prepared for promotion, so that we are prepared for the next season where he's going to bless us. And the wilderness is not a season of, um, you know, complete lack. It's not a, a place of insufficiency. You will find as we read this that he is so present in the wilderness. So the testing that he carries out in the wilderness is not to set us up to fail. It is to help us uh, know that we are ready for the next season. What are the two things he tests? He first of all tests our character. Character is who we are innately. It's who we are behind closed doors. It's most often not the side of us that is seen on social media. It's not the side of us that is seen to acquaintances. But character is who we are when no one's watching. Character is who we are to the ones closest to us who see us at our worst. And I want us to read Exodus chapter 20 verses 18 to 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll give you a bit of background. You can note this down and read the whole story because the stories are incredibly interesting. Exodus 20 talks about the wilderness of Sinai. So the different wildernesses that the Israelites walked through. This is the wilderness of Sinai. And this is the story of how God comes to the top of Mount Sinai, there's rumblings, there's thunder, there's lightning, and his presence has descended on the mountain. And he's asked Moses, tell the people to prepare themselves, to sanctify themselves, purify themselves, and come to meet me. This is just before God gives them the Ten Commandments. And so these people have come, they have prepared themselves. But then when they watched the, the majesty of God descend on the mountain, the mountain was shaking and there was so much of grandeur uh, associated with it supernaturally it says over there they trembled and moved backward and stood at a safe distance then they said to Moses you speak to us and we will listen but do not let God speak to us or we will die verse 20 Moses said to the people do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him that is a profound reverence for him will remain with you so that you do not sin. And so it continues where they said they stood at a safe distance. They allowed God to speak to Moses and Moses 
brought the word to them. Now, you ha- we have to understand that what they did, they understood that he God was so holy, so righteous, they couldn't stand before him. And that was a holy fear. It was a reverent fear. And it's a good thing. But the sad thing is that th- that holy fear didn't translate into the rest of their lives. Because within a matter of a few days, they sinned terribly. They created a golden calf. They bowed before it. They played in front of it. It says all kinds of things happened in the camp. That holy fear didn't transform their lives. Their character was not affected because they stood at a safe distance away from God. They were unwilling to go closer. The wilderness is a season when who we are beneath the surface gets exposed really fast. We want to hide who we are. We are trained to not talk about the the mucky parts of our life. We are trained to hide it and say, I will present the best parts forward. But the wilderness is a time because I told you it's a time tailor-made by God for God. It is a time when I get to come before God and say, this is who I am, Lord. This is the ugly truth. The people were not willing to come close to God because they knew they were unrighteous. And that's a good place to be in. But it should move us to a place of coming closer and saying, Lord, reveal to me who I really am. God is not calling us to come there to him with a, from a place of guilt and shame and fear of punishment, but he's calling us to repentance. He's calling us to come forward with humility and desperation and saying, God, I can't do this on my own because look at me. Look at who I am. I need you. Our character is refined in the wilderness because as we are, when we come, we're not enough, but when we come there, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, we can come before him and say, Lord, I need help. This is who I am. God refines us in the wilderness. Psalm 6 and Psalm 55 are written by David. And David is someone we're going to be looking at um, in in terms of a cross-reference throughout to understand what it's like to emerge from a wilderness. David was always either in a wilderness, heading into a wilderness, getting out of a wilderness. And so a lot of his Psalms were written from a place of utter abandonment. And yet there was so much joy, there was so much of grace, there was so much of uh, motivation that he was bringing to us. Psalm 6 says, I am weary with my mourning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Psalm 55, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. I want you to note what David said in Psalm 6. He says, I am weary. I flood my bed with tears. He was so honest to God about where he was at. And so right now, I want you to just, as you're taking notes, it could be on your phone, it could be wherever it is. If you could write this small statement down, I am, and leave a blank. And through this week, I want you to mull over who you are. This wilderness, what has it exposed about you? My wilderness revealed that I am fearful. I am doubtful. It revealed that I have areas of anger still. So what is the wilderness revealing to you about you? That will happen when you allow the Lord to reveal to you which parts of your character need your help. The point of actually looking at ourselves, it's not really merely about self-improvement. It's about a God improvement in our lives. On our own, we cannot change our character because as we so rightly say, we're wired this way. But the one who wired us is the only one who can rewire us according to his will. 
So let's trust God that in the wilderness, Lord, you want to test my character, go for it. But this is who I am. We need to be honest about who we are. We're living in a time of filters, of templates, of things that hide the real us. But before God, you need to remove all of that. You need to come as you are. The wilderness reveals what kind of person you and I are. Let's not hide it before God. Let's come before him as we are and say, Lord, you're not going to shame me. I know that, but I'm going to be radically honest with you. This is who I am. I am statements. Write that down. Sit on it. Maybe you find out you're rebellious. Write that I am rebellious. I'm inconsistent. I'm disobedient. It's okay. The point of the exercise is not to shame you. It's not to undermine you. The point is to bring you closer to the one who wired you so that you ask him to shape your character. That's the first thing that he tests. The wilderness tests our character. The second thing is that it tests our faith. We're going to be looking at Exodus 15. And in this, they're wandering through the wilderness of Shur. Okay. Now they're wandering through the wilderness of Shur. They come to the waters um, of Mara. Now you must have heard the story. They, they've just finished, um, you know, the Red Sea and they're wandering in the desert. God has said, you know what, go and be in the desert for a while. They're in the wilderness. As they're wa- wandering around, they come, they're desperately thirsty. They come to this pool called the waters of Mara and they come there and they taste it and the water is bitter. And the, the immediate response is that the entire community starts to grumble. They start to grumble against God, against Moses. And then Moses cries out to God and says, what do I do? And God says, take this stick, throw it in there, it'll become sweet. And then once he does that, this is what the verse says. Okay, this is Exodus 15, verse 25 onwards. It says, it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, what God was setting here was a benchmark. He says, I'm testing your faith. What is your faith? Your belief. Do you trust in me? Do you trust in my ability to provide for you? If you would, you would do what is right. You will obey the word that I I speak to Moses. Whatever I give you, you listen to that. You will do what is right in my sight. You will obey my commandments. Then he says there's a blessing attached to it. When you obey, then I will keep you from the diseases that the Egyptians suffered from. He was saying, I'll set you apart in how I protect you. I will set you apart in the way I heal you for I am the God who heals you. But the condition was that their faith remained unwavering. Their faith was directed at him. God knew that they would come to Mara. God knew that the waters were bitter. I believe that when they came there, God was waiting to see what their response will be. There will be times in our life when we will hit a roadblock so fast we won't know what hit us. We will hit mountains that we didn't expect. They would have just come out of left field. But the important thing to know is that God waits to see how we would respond. Our response is everything. The Israelites failed this test because they grumbled. They were bitter. And this happens multiple times when you read the story through Exodus. So my question to you is this. Would you and I, when hit by a mountain, when hit by a roadblock, would we stop to respond in a way that honors God in the midst of the wilderness? Because the wilderness 
will test our faith. Do I trust that, Lord, this mountain is here, but I trust that you will make a way through the mountain. Lord, I'm in this barren land. I, I need finances, but I have nothing. Would I trust that you will bring fertile land in this barrenness, that you will provide what I need when I need it? The wilderness tests our faith because our faith, unlike our God, our God is unchanging, but our faith often shifts. It has its ups and downs. But it comes down to this. You know, our faith can be unshakable when the one that we put our faith in is front and center of our lives. When I come to this place of saying, you know what? Yes, my season is dry. Yes, nothing is working out. Yes, my prayers are going unanswered. But God, you are unchanging. But God, you are faithful. But God, you are ever present. God, you are mighty. God, you are my refuge. God, you are my strength. The beautiful thing about declaring who God is, is that it turns a weak, jello-like faith to a tough, resilient faith. Because this faith is not in me. It's not, I, I'm, I'm not capable of being, putting my faith in myself, but I can put my faith in this God who has done all of these things in the past and has promised to never leave me nor forsake me. This God says, I keep my word. I'm a covenant-keeping God. I keep my word to generation after generation. So God, I will trust you because you are who you said you are. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These are the promises that we need to reinforce our faith. The wilderness will show our faith for what it is. If it's a faith that is flaky, that has no foundation, the wilderness will show it. And then again, like I said, when God tests us, he doesn't test us so that we fail. He tests us to show us, hey, this is the quality of your faith. I don't want faith as big as a football field. I want faith like a mustard seed, but the quality is important. And God wants to build the quality of our faith in the wilderness. He wants me to be able to say every morning when I wake up, Lord, I still have those eight unanswered prayers on my list. But I know in your time, you will do all things right. I know that you will work all things out for the good of those who love you. I thank you because those who fear your name can trust in you and that they will never be put to shame. That is my belief. And so, like I said, the previous thing where we looked, where we test, where God tests our character, we need to write down those I am statements. Here we're going to write a statements of the, a bunch of statements of you are. And these are attributes of God. You're going to start making this on a regular basis. You're going to start saying you are faithful. You are steadfast. You are kind. You are compassionate because then when those voices of doubt and fear assail you, you will remember that God is above everything else, that God is with you in this wilderness. He's not left you. He didn't push you into the wilderness and wait outside. He is with you every step of the way. You may not hear him. You may not feel him often, but he's with you and he wants to do something in you. I love this passage in Psalm 3 verse 3, verse 1 to 3. It says, this is a psalm which was written when David fled from Absalom. And he says, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. David was pushed into the wilderness because Absalom had taken over his throne. He's wandering the desert with a bunch of his followers, with his family, with his household. And this is what he could say. Yes, my I have enemies, my soul is downcast, but you, O oh Lord. Our statements have to move from this. I am 
rebellious i am stubborn yes lord i know i am fearful but you oh god have promised to never leave me but you oh god are powerful you are mighty in a in a recent season when i was when the wilderness had gotten too hot for me i was just like god get us out of here i looked at our calendar the the calendar that we printed this year and so i took that calendar and it was in shambles i didn't know what to do with it i didn't feel like throwing it because it's such a good quality calendar so what i did was with my children we made a collage we cut out all the names of god and created a collage and it's it's on a huge piece of chart and we we put down we put the name of god right we put god right in the center and we stuck all his attributes all around the god who heals the god who saves the god who goes before creator mighty and what we do is periodically me and the kids we spend time just going through the collage and we just talk about you know how is he a creator god how is he an almighty god and many times when i pray by myself and i feel um you know like god i'm still praying but nothing's happening i open that page and i look at those attributes and i remember that i know so little of this god i don't know his plans i don't know his will but this i can do i can worship him for who i know him to be so i want to ask you today if you will make a list of yours attributes of god things that you have experienced in your life and then look at the scriptures every passage will mention something about this god that we serve almighty ever loving everlasting write it down make that your daily declaration yes lord i am in a desert nothing's been working out but you are good you are compassionate you are kind when i start saying this those doubts and fears that come at you get pushed down they cannot stand because you are talking about a fact you are saying that the god of the universe is my creator god you're saying this god is all powerful doubt and fear can't stand a chance god tests our character and god tests our faith the next thing that this wilderness does is beautiful thing that it does it it is it trains us so our children all three of them go for sports classes and each of their coaches are so different but the one thing in common is that they're all very very um you know detailed about how they train the kids there are certain disciplines that they inculcate into our children and sometimes kids rebel they say i can't do that many you know planks i cannot do those many squats my my legs are shaking i'm sweating i can't do it but they push them so that they have greater endurance on the field they push them so that they'll be at their at their fighting best training every coach trains their their you know their team so that they go and win they don't train them and say be mediocre they don't train them and say oh you might lose but it's okay i'll still train you they're training them to win and today when we look at the wilderness from the lens of training god is training us not for nothing when he looks at you and me he looks at us and says i'm training you to win i'm training you to finish well i'm training you to be able to withstand all that the coming years will have training that the lord puts us through is for good it's not for harm it's not for some days it will feel like you know your every muscle is just stretched you're taught you can't do it anymore but remember that he's with you and that he trains you to win the two areas the two specific ways in which he trains you is first thing is he trains you to be disciplined Now we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 16 if you can note down verses 19 to 29 and have a read of it later here we're talking about the wilderness of sin this is called the wilderness of sin this is another wilderness that they walked through and here it's very important they were hungry and God 
so kindly, so graciously provides them with manna, which in another translation is, it, 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 in another passage, it talks about the bread of angels that men eat. God provided them this small little thing, which was like little rice flakes that fell on the ground with the dew. And then when the dew evaporated, it was there like a little wafer and they could take it, they would collect it in bowls, keep it in their tents and they could use it through the day. Now, Moses' instructions were very careful. He said, I'm going to read verse 19 and 20. Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, eat as much as they could eat. When the sun grew hot, it melted. Now, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as he commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out on his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. This, this whole story makes me laugh because it's, it sounds just like what my kids would do. You tell them not to do that, they will do exactly that, right? It's, it's such childish behavior. But more than anything, it shows a lack of discipline. God says, do such and such, and they tend to overdo it and just cross the mark and they, they mess it up. And God was intending that they do exactly what he said because he had a plan. He wanted them to rest on the Sabbath. He wanted them all to stay in their tents, do nothing, worship him, enjoy their families. That was his plan. But instead, they were trying to go out and collect manna on the Sabbath day. And also, he wanted them to understand that the manna was for a day-by-day -day provision. It was not something you hoarded up. Whereas they were looking to hoard it up, keep it, then maybe next day we don't have to go out. They had some plan, but God had a better plan for them. God was teaching them a day-by-day -day reliance. God was saying, you come every morning and I will provide for you. And I wonder if each of us would look at our wilderness season in that angle. What if God is saying in this wilderness, yes, it's dry. Yes, I'm not answering some of the things because I love you too much. But what if I want to create in you a dependency on me for a day-to-day -day infilling? Some of us look at church as that one day I go and I just get filled up like a tank. I come through the week and leak through the week and then go back on a Sunday. Some of us don't even go to church on a Sunday. So I don't know where your filling in is coming from. But here's the thing. He is asking for us to come to a daily discipline. He wants you and me to come to a place in this wilderness, in this wilderness that I'm walking through right now. I need to come to a discipline of every single day coming to him for what I need. And what I need is only found in his presence. I will not find it apart from his presence. So if your wilderness has been one where you wake up every morning, you wake up for five minutes, you think about your day, you know it's going to be horrible. You probably burrow down in bed or you sit in front of Netflix or you open your laptop, you, you know, scroll through Instagram or, you know, Snapchat. 
if that is what your day has been like can i ask that you will change that around the wilderness will only make sense when you incorporate certain spiritual disciplines into your life you and i are can be we're so disciplined about so many other things we can say i'm starting a new you know diet regimen i'm going to try the keto diet i'm going to try this exercise regime maybe i'm deciding to overhaul my snack shelf you know completely um just get rid of it and then i'm going to start you know having healthy snacks we're so disciplined about the things that really don't matter why are we not disciplined about the way we look at god why are we not disciplined about our relationship with him if you're someone who's dated someone and then gotten married you know how disciplined you were about getting to know the person you would make sure you you know made those calls you would make sure you caught up for coffee regularly you were avid and intentional about getting into that relationship why are we not that way with our god the wilderness is a great time where we learn to be disciplined in our relationship with god the manna was for each day just enough the kind of impartation god wants to give us is an everyday thing it's not a once a week download it's an everyday infilling the holy spirit longs to fill us up for the day i'm not saying that that one one off filling is not powerful it is but it's in the everyday spiritual disciplines that we incorporate that our lives make more meaning the wilderness makes sense we cannot look at the word of god and say you know what today i'm going to read you know this entire book and then for the next 4 days i'm going to chill it doesn't work like that by all means read a book of the bible you know one day and then don't let go of it every single day look at it read it meditate on it spend time in god's presence the wilderness is so beautiful because you really you've not got the answers you wanted you're you're literally against you know you're blindsided you're sitting there thinking god what next but that's a great time to just sit quietly and say yeah lord what next and i can tell you this okay he speaks personally to us in the wilderness in the howling winds you will still hear him his still small voice in the crackling wildfires of you know things burning down in your life you will feel his presence in the moist drizzle his voice will still ring through but it really requires that you first read his word because this is a written word of god before we hear the spoken word of god i need to know the written word of god because what he speaks audibly will only confirm what is written here if i'm not taking the time to read this but i just sit in his presence and i think up a bunch of things and say the lord told me this the lord told me this, doesn't make sense you need to know the written word of god read the written word of god assimilate it and then spend time in his presence you will find surprisingly he will confirm the things that he has been speaking to you through this and the beautiful thing is that you don't hear this in the busyness of the promised land we often think you know what yeah the, the wilderness is hard so i need to strive more now and then when i when things quieten down when things are you know going at this you know momentum i will seek god's face i'm sorry but it doesn't work that way if you didn't seek him in the wilderness you will not find him or seek him in the next season you need to shut down everything that is distracting you maybe you for you your bible every day is social media in bed you take your phone and you just start scrolling can i urge you to switch that off there are a bunch of things i think there are um things that you can set on your phone to show you how much you're actually opening your social media just set that and see how much you're actually how much time you're actually spending on that 
maybe for you there've been other ways to deal with the wilderness maybe it's been food maybe it's been shopping could i ask you to just take a break from all of that what if you needed to go closer to him you needed to shut off all the other voices and really listen because the wilderness is a beautiful time when you can listen to him you can sit in his presence you can cry to him you can let him speak to your soul it doesn't happen as much in the other seasons as it does in this because you're so sensitive and raw that you will hear from him but it requires that you get disciplined it requires that you say lord this one hour of the day is for you there is nothing that will take that place and there's this one practice that i've started doing so when i'm sitting to you know spend time with the lord alone is that that time that i'll remember who i need to pay i will remember who i need to call i will remember that i need to get something done for the children so what i do is on the corner of my journal i make a box and i write down all the things i'm remembering i need to do and then i switch that part of my life i put my phone on silent so that's now on paper so once i'm done with my one hour then i can get back to those things so if you're thinking i remember all those things i have so much to do it's okay life waits for us it's time to get disciplined incorporate these spiritual disciplines in your life it will change you because what i incorporate in the wilderness is what will fuel the next season so it's important to remember this that we are trained in the wilderness to be disciplined psalm 81 verses 8 to 14 it says this beautiful thing that says oh that my people would listen to me oh that israel would follow me walking in my paths how quickly i would then subdue their enemies how soon my hands would be upon their foes if they would listen he says oh that they would listen to me oh that they would follow me walking in my paths maybe it's time that we switch our disciplines bring our primary discipline back to god say lord what are the things you want to discipline in me have i not been reading your word have i just been winging it now is the time i want to come back to your word maybe my prayers have been always on the go what if it requires that i sit down and i'll just speak to you as i would a parent what if it requires that i spend time listening after i finish praying because for those of us who are talkers we just talk even to god we keep talking and talking and talking what if it it's time to silence ourselves and let him talk it's not enough to just hear him though the discipline the spiritual discipline of sitting in his presence reading his word hearing from him gets translated into action it must get translated into action and that will primarily require the daily discipline of seeking him let's not make this a one off discipline let's not say today i had a great bible reading um, you know i had this you know momentous uh, time where i just spent time with the lord and then forget about him for 3 days let's make it an everyday thing the israelites needed manna on a daily basis we need god on a daily basis we need time with him we need moments alone with him the second thing that god trains us for in the wilderness is to endure like i said an athlete a coach trains the athletes so that they they don't just play and fade out but so that they endure so that they can play and then recover well and then play again and god desires that we endure God desires that we finish well. He doesn't want us to just run this race and then fall flat. He desires 
that we soar on wings like eagles. That's what his word says. And so we're going to be looking at Exodus 18 and, and see an example of how God teaches us to endure in a wilderness. This happens near Sinai and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law is speaking to him. And so Jethro brings Moses' wife and children and brings them, you know, uh, to him in the wilderness. And then he goes in with Moses and the elders and they have a big meal. Moses is sharing about all the amazing things God has done and Jethro is taken aback. I mean, he's hearing all these amazing things that God has done through Moses and he's amazed. And then the next day, Moses goes out and he carries on um, as usual with his everyday life. What he does from morning till night, he's judging the people. He's judging disputes. He's giving out advice. He's counseling. He's doing all kinds of things. And Ruel, that is Jethro, watches this. And then he gives him some advice. And I want you to listen carefully to the advice. It's, a, it's verses 17 to 23 of Exodus 18 is very interesting because in the wilderness, God will sometimes bring someone to you or give you wisdom as to what to do in terms of how to keep yourself going for the long haul. And so let's not turn a deaf ear to what God has to say to us. Verses 17 to 23, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide amongst themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. Look at verse 23 very carefully. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. If you do this, God will direct you you will be able to endure. What Moses was doing up until then was a sure recipe for burnout. Imagine six million people, you're trying to you know, deal with their disputes. Some of them would have been so petty. Some would have been ridiculous. And yet Moses had to spend time with every one of them. And so he says, delegate. He gives him advice, delegate, get leaders in. Don't do this alone, share the burden. And his intention is very clear. Jethro is almost speaking like an oracle of God. He's saying, God will direct you if you do this. You will be able to endure. He's talking to Moses specifically. He says, you will endure and the people will be also benefited. So the advice that God is giving to Moses through the mouth of Jethro is so vital. It's, it's important for all of us. Walk, when we walk through the, the wilderness, God shows us the exact locations of our burnout. Maybe like for me, it was it was a bunch of things that God was revealing to me, areas of pride, areas of needing to please people. And God was saying, stop, stop it right now. This will not carry you long. It will not carry you far. You need to stop. When the wilderness reveals your burnout, it's not for you to lose hope. It's for you to come to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to change? What do you want me to build into this system so that I'll endure? What lifestyle modifications do I have to make? When I say that, I'm not talking about a diet or an exercise thing. I'm talking about what are the deeper 
disciplines? What are the deeper things I need to change in order that I last for the long haul? What relationships are not of you? What relationships must I invest in? Who must I lean on? Who must I back off from? What are those habits that are detrimental for me? The wilderness will be used to teach you endurance. Because if you cannot walk through that season with endurance, how will you do the next season? The next season when you're going to be running at full capacity. You will not be able to endure unless you learn how to endure in this season. So the wilderness builds in us endurance. And it's necessary because our life is not really just one journey. It's many journeys. I remember when, when I got married, the struggles and the, the joys were different. When I had my first child, that journey was different. Then when I, I had my second child, that journey was completely different. So I'd like to think of life as a series of different kinds of journeys. And if I don't have endurance built into them in these pivotal moments of the wilderness, how will I make it till the day I close my eyes and enter glory? How will I make it and end it well? I know if, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, why are we talking about you know, then let me worry about now. But even in the now, if I don't have endurance, I will burn out before I even light up and I'm a, sh I'm a light for Jesus. I, my, my anointing could burn me up because I don't value it. I don't cherish it. I don't honor the God who gave it to me. And so the wilderness teaches us how to endure. It builds endurance into us. A lot of times we think that our high moments, our successful moments are what make us. I really believe it's the wilderness seasons that make us who we are. It trains us for life. It's what sets us up for the next season. It teaches us lessons that we will not learn otherwise. And so today, if you ask me, um, what is your view on the wilderness? I want to I say that I'm grateful for the wilderness. I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned in the wilderness. I don't know if my wilderness is ending or it's continuing. I don't know. It doesn't matter anymore. What matters to me is that there have been so many disciplines that God has brought in. It matters to me that he's shown me where there are cracks in my character. He's shown me that he is still God. That he didn't cease being God because my season turned. That he's God of the wilderness as well. He's shown me that I need his word like manna every day. I don't get, I don't get to take breaks from that because I need him so desperately. And he's teaching me how to endure. Because very often my question to God is not, how am I going to do this for the rest of my life? You're telling me that life is going to have ups and downs. It has parallel successes and parallel losses. How am I going to do it, Lord? How will I live encouraged? Well, the wilderness teaches me how to endure. It teaches me valuable lessons on how to build endurance. It teaches me what to get rid of. Habits, opinions, Things that I call the way of my life, I've had to get rid of it so that I can run to win. Psalm 78 verses 71 and 72. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep folds, from following the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With an upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. David became the great king that he was because of many years in the wilderness. And this verse so beautifully covers it. It says he chose him from the sheepfolds, put him in a palace where he with an upright heart and skillful hand, he shepherded and led his people. We sometimes look at someone doing something amazingly well in their field of influence. 
We don't know the wilderness that they have had to walk through, which shaped them to be the people that they were. David was one such example. Had it not been for those long stints in the wilderness, the times when he was running from Saul, when he was running from his son, when enemies came out of the woodwork, if he had not endured the wilderness, if he had not allowed God to shape him in the wilderness, he would not have been the great king that he was. Even when he messed up, he was able to come to God and say, I am broken, I need help. I messed this up so badly, help me. And he still exalted God in everything. And the wilderness brought forth so much fruit for him. And so today, if David could sing songs and anthems in the wilderness, I think you and I can count on the wilderness to bring forth incredible fruit in our lives. We don't have to look at the wilderness anymore through the lens of, oh my God, my life is over. God has forgotten about me. No, I, I want to bring you back to this thought that the wilderness is where God is most present. You will feel his presence if you would lean into him. And so I want to close with this. The wilderness will prepare you for the promised land. I don't know what your promised land is. It could be the next season when there's going to be incredible growth. There's going to be expansion. There's going to be fullness of soul, abundance of soul. It could be a season where there's something new going to be added into your life. It could be a season of reconciliation or restoration. It could be a new season of, of complete overhaul of the things that you've lost before. He's going to give it back. I don't know what it is. But here's the thing. If I'm discontent with the wilderness and what God provided for me in the wilderness, I'm not going to be able to value the milk and honey of the promised land. You need to be able to come to this place of saying, I love what you're doing in the wilderness, Lord. I love that you're providing for me right here. You need to be content with God's provision in the wilderness. Also, if you didn't seek God in the wilderness, you're probably going to forget him in the new land. So it's a great time right now to press pause and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you right now every day. If my character didn't get shaped in the wilderness because of my resistance and my stubbornness, then I'm probably going to have a longer stint in this wilderness. So Lord, I open myself up to you. Holy Spirit, would you completely change the things that need to be changed because I cannot change my character on my own. It's futile. I finally need to be alert to the enemies of my soul because the wilderness will bring out fear, will bring up doubt, will bring up anxiety, worry, feelings of um, incomparable loneliness. But it is in those times that I declare, I am this, but he is present. He is powerful. He is mighty. You cannot vanquish the enemy of our soul on your own. You have to declare to him who God is. You have to declare to him why you worship this God, who this God is, who he says he is, who he has proved to be. So as I pray for you, I want you to come to a place of complete surrender. The wilderness makes sense when our posture is complete surrender. It doesn't make sense unless we've surrendered to him. And so can I lead you in a prayer of surrender where we say, Lord, this is who I am. I'm completely overawed by my situation. I have no idea how to progress. I have nothing happening, Lord. In fact, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. The door has not opened. In fact, doors, more doors have been slammed shut in my face. But Lord, I believe that the wilderness is a season by you and for you. I want to come back to you, Lord. I bear myself before you. I bear my soul. I thank you that who you are who you say you are. 
You are the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, a covenant-keeping God, a powerful, wonder-working God. And I love you. I thank you for the wilderness. I thank you that you test and train me to win and to last long and to live well. And Father, whatever it is that you want to do in us right now, in this season, we surrender ourselves to you. Take us as we are. Shape us, mold us into the people that you long for us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged. The wilderness season is not forever. It's not all bad. It's one that is incredibly powerful, incredibly fruitful. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.